1: All right, everybody, and welcome back to the latest episode of the Guys and Ties podcast. And it's a big weekend. It's a big weekend. You know, take care of business in the South Soldiers rivalry. And I'm here with Dustin to celebrate being ranked for the first time since 2011. Dustin, welcome back.
0: Thank you. It is about two o'clock on Sunday, and the AP poll has just come out we actually waited to start to see what we were going to be ranked and we have come out at number 23 in the ap poll we are number 22 in the coaches poll so we're going to use that one because (laughs) we're higher in that one but first time since 2011 to be ranked and it feels pretty good although i don't think it means anything really it's just a number and i think hopefully this team doesn't read too much into it And they just keep doing what they're doing. Because what they're doing right now is really uh, awesome. It's really incredible.
1: Yeah. To me, it's like one of those things like in basketball when we became number one this year. Not that it like really mattered. It didn't really change anything. But it was like just kind of a stamp. Just kind of the next step in the process. And I mean, considering where this team was two years ago, to say all of a sudden we're ranked now. Not only are we ranked, but in the coaches poll, we're the second highest ranked ACC team you know, excluding Notre Dame because Notre Dame doesn't count. But the second highest ranked ACC team. I mean, where this team was two years ago, this is just incredible.
0: Right. And especially considering where not just the team, but the program with the, the with the fans and the coaching staff and the players that we had uh, and the mentality that we had, being able to change course so quickly like that and get back into the AP poll and being ranked and being um, nationally recognized for what we're doing is, Really incredible, so it's good to be a UV football fan again,
1: not to mention the story that everyone kind of knew, but just the fact that it's not a big deal this year is huge is that we became bowl eligible yesterday, yeah with a great win against North Carolina, and like it's just what a difference a year makes you know we were storming the field last year after just clawing out to six wins, and this year, if it wasn't for one player rolling his helmet on the sidelines like a bowling ball, mm-hmm. you would never know. You would never know. This team just hit six wins for the second time in a row since two thousand four two thousand five.
0: I think most people were really excited about being first in the coastal right now. We are we have sole possession of uh, first place in the coastal division of the ACC, which is a big dumpster fire, by the way. I am not <laughs> saying that it's going to stay that way, but as of this week, UVA controls their own destiny to win the coastal. Yeah, it's- and I've. I've Sorry, and but that is really important because, you know, we're going step-by-step step with this program. Last year, we made a bowl for the first time in a while. This year, we are trying to win the Coastal Division.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's like one of those things where Mike London would say it, and and Mendenhall says it, and every coach is going to say it. They're going to say, our goal is to win an ACC championship. And for 10 years, it sounded like a joke. Like an Mm -hmm. absolute laughing stock. Oh, our goal is to win the ACC championship. We went two and ten last year, but this year, for the first time, it's like we're probably the favorite in the coastal right now.
0: Yeah, we actually are the favorite. ESPN has us at a forty-four percent chance to win the coastal, and they put Tech at a thirty-three percent chance to win the coastal. We are actually the favorites at this point. It's crazy, and to think that at the beginning of the season we were picked dead last by almost everyone. In the Coastal Division. Yep. that That is saying something.
1: I mean, it's, it's wild. And it's something that we should absolutely be excited about. And there's no shame in, you know, being ranked. Like, this isn't something that we should have, like, feel like there's a target on our backs now just because we're ranked. Because I think the style of football that Bronco Mendenhall encourages and preaches is the style that it doesn't really matter if you're ranked first or you're ranked 110th, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's sound, it's disciplined football. There's, quite frankly, nothing too fancy about it. It's just, we're going to out-execute you, and we're going to try to make more plays than you. And so far this season, you know, it's gotten us to 6-2. and
0: Yeah, and something I'm looking at right now is, what's really interesting is that we are the only team in the Coastal Division to currently be bowl eligible. Mm. So not even Tech, not Pitt, not Miami, not Georgia Tech, not Duke. But UVA is currently, as of this week, <laughs> the best team in the Coastal Division.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. I'm obviously. happy, too.
0: I'm happy, too. And uh, I think we're going to dive right in. So, Rob, what is like a takeaway that you can talk about from yesterday's game?
1: Man, I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot that happened yesterday and a lot that really is just kind of continuing the trends we've been seeing so far. So... To me, the biggest thing was Bryce Perkins, and obviously he stood out. His stats were very good, but to me, it was more what he was able to do in the pocket. You know, we've talked about, especially at the beginning, when we were at the beginning of the football season, Dustin and I would talk about, you know, his arms, you know, not the sexiest in the world. You know, he doesn't have a Kurt Ben-Kurt arm, but what we are seeing more and more each week is, A, terrific decision-making, and B, the ability to make the throws that he's asked to make. You know, we're not asking him to make the Kurt Benkert throw from one hash to the other side of the field for a five-yard gain, but the throws he made, two of which in particular, really stood out yesterday. First being that touchdown pass to Joe Reed. I mean, that was right on the money, and hit him in stride, and a beautiful pass. The second was that touchdown to Evan Butts. And, you know, we've been saying this all season, give the ball to Butts more. Bryce Perkins, under pressure, taking a hit, delivered a perfect, perfect throw in the corner of the end zone. And to me, that was really what stood out in the game. And we'll dive into more details, but the ability of Bryce Perkins to make the throws that he's asked to make and make those throws really, really well has just enabled the whole offense to keep moving into function.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think UNC did a really good job of containing Bryce Perkins for a lot of the day. It wasn't, you know, the best. The offensive line did not do a great job. They allowed the UNC front seven to really get at Bryce Perkins sometimes. So he was under pressure a lot. He was sacked three times, which is, you know, kind of unusual for a quarterback who is pretty mobile. Mm -hmm. But as you said, he did make a lot of good throws and he also had a lot of rushing yards he had about or he had 112 rushing yards one touchdown and you know it was another just day in the office for Bryce Perkins he he made the throws he needed to he didn't try anything too fancy except for that one interception which was just a not a great decision by him
1: weird at least it was down the field
0: it was down the field but it was just a big punt on first down basically but you know, we that hasn't been open for us all season, so I don't know why he tried it then. Anyway, doesn't matter. But <laughs> all I'm saying is that he took care of business, he did what he needed to do, and led us to another win today.
1: Yeah. And I mean Bronco says post game, it's one of those things where Bryce like he just has a decent feel in the pocket. He knows how close guys can get before he has to try to run and escape. And to his credit, you know, he's you know, he's not the best thrower he doesn't have the biggest arm but his throws have been accurate he's made terrific decisions and he's waiting as long as he can to make those throws Mm -hmm. you know that touchdown pass to Evan Butts I don't think that's a throw he was going to make week one yeah and to see that progression from week one to where we are now is really exciting considering where we are in the season and the stretch that's coming up that You know, we've got a legit chance to win the coastal.
0: Yeah. I mean, I want to look at the, the one touchdown pass he had to Joe Reed where he, he put the, just the right amount of air on it. Joe Reed had a really, really nice catch on his fingertips. Bryce Perkins put it out there for him. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think has been developing over the season is that trust with the wide receivers. If we're, if we're talking about UVA receivers, you got to talk about Zacchaeus who broke the total receptions record for UVA. Mm -hmm. Um, he had 10 receptions today. So, and that was an incredible moment for him and yeah. for UVA just to see how far he's come as a player since, you know, his time with Mike London.
1: Jet sweep specialist. Jet
0: sweep special. And now he is the leader of this team on the receiving end. And, you know, we we don't have like a true we, we've we had guys step up the season. But Zacchaeus is the one guy who is constantly there and he's constantly helping us out. So Zacchaeus had a really big game yesterday.
1: Yeah, and I mean, while we're on the wide receivers, Hassis Dubois had a couple great catches. None of his catches are ever easy, but that's kind of the beauty is that he's able to bring in those tough catches. And we saw him make a play after making the catch uh, for his touchdown. That was on a third down, really critical conversion there to keep Virginia out ahead. And he's a guy that's just those three, as Joe Reed continues to get more involved, Hassis has done a really good job. Alameda is Mr. Consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, our receivers, and you add Evan Butts into the mix, mm-hmm. if he can start being more of a playmaker, even if it's just those five yard curl routes, you know, that'll pick up a third down in five.
0: Yeah, I really liked what he was doing yesterday. He had that uh, touchdown catch, and he also had a really good third down conversion catch where he, uh, Bryce threw it behind him. He reached back, caught the ball, brought it forward, and then fell across the line. He did a really good job of. You know, he's he's becoming that possession receiver where he is reliable and can catch the ball. He's a big body. Mm-hmm. So he can come, fall forward, get that first down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he reminds me of Donnie Dowling, except mm. I think he has a higher ceiling, quite frankly. Yeah. And he's just a bigger guy, too. You know, Jeff White was on the show last week, and Jeff was saying, you know, like, Virginia football this year is going to be good, but next year is the re- year I'm really looking at. And, I mean, to think, like, to have has what he can do probably Mm -hmm. in year four that's gonna be exciting because he's already shown this year the progression he made from last year to this year has been pretty incredible
0: yeah well I mean you can also just look at like Bryce Perkins yeah and how much he has progressed this year from where he was week one and week two and you can think wow next year like he has a real shot at being a really good quarterback like a real dual threat quarterback for UVA
1: yeah no I mean it's It's really exciting. The program is just in a super exciting spot. And, you know, we've talked about the offense a little bit. We transition over to defense. Mm -hmm. The defense is one of those things where everyone I talk to who doesn't watch a lot of UVA football, you know, we get bogged down in the weeds sometimes. Mm -hmm. But everyone I talk to who doesn't watch a lot of UVA football and they'll text me after a game, normally the first thing they say is, man, that defense is really, really good. Mm -hmm. And that's a testament to Bronco Mendenhall who, you know, kind of is a defensive focused guy and is a testament to the staff who he's delegated play calling duties Mm -hmm. and is a testament to just these players. These players are playing incredibly, incredibly well. And, you know, there's not a lot of depth in that front seven, Mm -hmm. but they've come to play. And the linebackers especially have been awesome against the run. You know, Chris Peace, Charles Snowden, they can both set the edge extremely, extremely well. Zane Zandier has done an awesome job attacking the line of scrimmage. And, you know, Rob Snyder's been serviceable. But when we get Jordan Mack back, which could be <laughs> as soon as next week, he dressed for today's game. Oh, man. That that defensive front has really, really exceeded expectations this year.
0: Yeah, speaking of Jordan Mack, Rob, you, you were talking earlier about how he <laughs> Jordan Mack played but didn't actually play.
1: Yeah, so... He was in on that snap that ended up not counting after North Carolina scored a touchdown, but they didn't rule it a touchdown on the field. And then they uh, run the next play, and the defense stuffs them. So you think all of a sudden, third and goal, JK, no. <laughs> but he was on the field for that snap, so I guess he was in there for emergency situations. You know, Malcolm Cook didn't dress, uh, which is disappointing. But, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible to think about that our defensive front seven is that good And our two starting inside linebackers right now, Zane Zandier and Rob Snyder, neither of which were starters in week one. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. One thing I want to point out uh, is possession time. And UVA had about 40 minutes possession time to about 20 minutes for UNC. That's, you know, we doubled their possession time. Yeah. And when you do that, you get more opportunities to score. You keep the ball out of their hands. And, you know, their offense was pretty good they put up 21 points against our defense and their quarterback uh, Nathan Elliott had 270 yards two touchdowns so he had a pretty good game Mm -hmm. uh, against our outstanding secondary the time of possession is really key and I think that has a lot to do with how we defended the run and how we ran the ball against them as well
1: yeah you know UNC was interesting because they went up tempo to score their second touchdown and they did it with really good success. It was like a quick scoring drive. They scored a touchdown, quite honestly, very easily. That mm-hmm. guy was wide open in the end zone. And they never really went back to it. Yeah. Which kind of surprised me. And is one thing I'm kind of looking at the rest of the season. You know, none of the teams on our schedule really pop your eye as a up-tempo, you know, offense. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, which we'll get into. We're not invincible by any stretch, but the defense keeps coming through and finding ways to really shut down their teams. You know, mm-hmm. a week after, I think it was 58 yards we allowed against Duke, yeah. we held North Carolina to 66 yards. They have two very, very good running backs. Michael mm-hmm. Carter only had 42 yards on the ground. Antonio Williams only had 21 yards. You know, this it starts with the front seven. You mm-hmm. build teams inside out. And when you have the ability to shut down the run game, then you can get performances like we've seen the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's
0: just interesting because we've talked, I mean, almost every week about how the front seven is like not that great and <laughs> they don't have as much depth, but yep. they seem to do better every single week. Well, so
1: it was like that NC state game. We really struggled against the run mm-hmm. and then we have the bye week. And then against Miami, we played great against uh, Duke. We did great. And against North Carolina, we did great. Yeah. And the weird part is that we're doing it really with less defensive linemen. where. Mm outside of our three four base package and in our nickel package more and more and when we're in our nickel package it's really just eli handback mandy alonzo and aaron famui like we're not even talking about jordan redmond as much who's kind of your prototypical run stopper Mm -hmm. i mean the defense has been very creative in getting rest for guys and getting guys on the field and in position to make plays Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i think it's Interesting because we, we're seeing a lot more of Chris Peace and Charles Snowden rushing the passer than we are with a typical 3-4 set, mm-hmm. you know. So we're getting a little bit more pressure on the quarterback than we were during the first half of the season. And I think it's good, uh, you know, um, Charles Snowden, I know Chris Peace had a, a forced fumble yeah. that Bryce Hall recovered, and that was right after we went for it on fourth down, and missed it, Mm -hmm. and then North Carolina seemed to be driving, and Chris Peace made a really good play on the quarterback. I think that getting more pressure on the quarterback has really changed how the team is functioning on defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. They're using their speed package to get more guys on the field. Mm -hmm. Chris Peace has been the most consistent at getting home. He has, what, like five or six sacks this season? Mm Mm-hmm um but charles snowden has gotten pressure he doesn't quite have the sack numbers to show for it but he's gotten pressure and you know he had that key pressure on that fourth down that really ended the game for north carolina he had the pressure that forced the, uh nathan elliot to get rid of it the other guys matt gam came in and he uh knocked a ball loose and you know not to mention charles snowden bad batted two balls down at the line of scrimmage and we're mm-hmm. getting uh elliot brown in there too you know there's guys that are coming up that are doing, they're important, you know, and they've allowed us to really get creative with our defense and get pressure in the backfield.
0: Yeah, something that I want to point out is that when UNC scored, they, they had three touchdowns, and all three of their touchdowns were really long drives that took a short amount of time. So it's those big plays that really hurt us. On Saturday, uh, their first touchdown was eleven plays, seventy-five yards, took four minutes. Their second touchdown was eight plays, eighty yards, two and a, two and a half minutes, and then their last touchdown, which came in the second half, was eight plays, ninety-two yards, mm-hmm. almost three minutes, and that was the one that like really showed their up-tempo offense. You know, they had that um, like a fifty-yard run on a screen pass. And then they had another long pass, and then they had a touchdown, and so that was about it. And I think going forward, looking ahead to Pitt, I think that's something that the defense not needs to work on, but needs to look out for is you know those big plays. Mm-hmm. And we're really really good at limiting them most of the time, but when they happen, like especially on that last touchdown drive, it kind of spiraled out of control. Mm-hmm. And so that might be something that Pitt tries next week. I don't know how. Up tempo they go, but UNC's up tempo when it when they got those first downs when they could really start moving the chains, it worked. It seemed to work. And so I don't know if that's something that the team's gonna look at, but I think it's something to keep your eye on.
1: Yeah. And you know, we say this, we're nitpicking. We're Virginia fans and we we're are, looking for ways for teams to beat us because that's what we're
0: <laughs> used to. We are <laughs> nitpicking. Because the defense played extathering <laughs> the defense played outstanding yeah, outstanding without question yeah
1: without question and bryce hall you know two more pass breakups you know that's not a shocker right i don't know why teams throw at bryce hall anymore no you know and darius bradden played a very good game it mm-hmm. was really uh, overall very good tackling performance with the exception of that one big screen pass they had yeah when quite frankly the game was pretty much out of control mm-hmm. you know we had it close to wrapped up at that point
0: yeah and the other thing is you know UNC's record does not demonstrate how good they are they've had a rough fall of things this year and they're one in six but they could have easily won a couple of their other games
1: yeah most definitely you know I still have no idea how they lost against Virginia Tech I right. mean Virginia Tech's got to be so thankful that you know, somehow that North Carolina running back fumbled at the one yard line. Yeah. And then, you know, on that next drive, they had to scramble around and convert a fourth and 10, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then against Syracuse, that was another winnable game that they probably should have won. You know, North Carolina, you're right, they're better than that record suggests, that one win record. Mm-hmm. But the Coastal just is so weird. Yeah. It's so, which kind of maybe that's a good transition into talking about Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh is four and four overall. They're only a game behind Virginia in the Coastal Division mm-hmm. at three and one, and you know they had a big win against Duke yesterday and a shootout where they had uh, 484 yards rushing. Yeah, and you look at their losses were all to ranked teams: Penn State, UCF, Notre Dame, and then you had a loss to North Carolina, 38 to 35. So Pitt is a team that absolutely cannot be overlooked. And maybe not to the same extent as North Carolina, given they had only won one game. But Pittsburgh having won only four games is not indicative of how good that team can be.
0: Yeah, you've really got to look at who Pitt has played so far this season. And their first couple games, they played some really, really tough opponents. They played Notre Dame. They played UCF. And who was the other ranked team that they played? Penn State. Penn State, right. Oh, yeah. Penn State. Yeah. So that Penn State. That Penn State. So you, I mean, you've got three really good teams that have been ranked in the top 10 at some point this season uh, that they've lost to. Yeah. And they almost beat Notre Dame.
1: Oh my God. That was a close game. It was close. That was a great game. Yeah.
0: But, you know, Pitt is not someone that is going to come in here and just kind of fall over. They mm-hmm. are a proud football team and they play with kind of a, smash mouth style so yeah it's gonna be a slugfest i think next week
1: it kind of reminds me of the duke game and you know it's kind of funny i say that you know the week after they played duke but Mm -hmm. duke coming into our matchup was a very good team you know same records pretty much and you know acc coastal rivals the thing the thing that has me intrigued about this pick game that might carry over a little bit. When we get deeper into our f- discussions around Virginia Tech and that football game coming up, is that UVA has not beat Pittsburgh since 2014. You know, that was a night game at Scott mm. Stadium. Um, that was a ton of fun. I still remember that game. Made those
0: really cool helmets. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but, you know, we lost in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Virginia mm. has not beat Pitt in four years. And, you, there's no reason to think that really has any impact on what should happen on Friday night. But at the same time, I'm curious to see if it will. And I think that could be indicative of what we might see again uh, in Blacksburg later this year, given the streak that obviously isn't good <laughs> in that rivalry.
0: I I think that this team is disciplined enough to overlook or. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) I think this team is disciplined enough to not care about records. Mm -hmm. And I think they know that it doesn't matter what's happened in the past, but it only matters what they do during the game. And so I think that, and that's part of the mentality that Broncos changed because it used to be we've lost to Virginia Tech. And during London, it was like, oh, well, we gave it our best shot, but it's <laughs> the not gap gonna, is closing. It's not going to happen this year. But Broncos, like, no, we expect to win every year. So I think that that's something that we're going to find going forward with this team, in the coming, not just the coming games, but the coming years, is that they're not going to care who they're playing, just as long as you know they give it their best shot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I view this season as there's so many steps, and we've climbed a bunch of them so far. You know. Getting bowl eligible to be six and two right now. I was looking back at my preseason predictions. I had us at four and four right now. So, in my mind, mm-hmm. at least Robert's mind two months ago, we're two games ahead of schedule. Yeah. To be bowl eligible is big. Um, and then coming up to against Pittsburgh to see if we can kind of break that losing streak we have against Pittsburgh. That's big, and it all kind of comes back and will ultimately culminate against Virginia Tech. You know, can we beat Virginia Tech? Mm-hmm. presumably we're the better team right now. It's been a long time since we can say that Virginia is probably the better team than Virginia Tech. Right. And it comes back. I had this quote for that Bronco said after the game, but you know about postseason play, he says, quote, we expect to play in the postseason. It's not something to wonder or marvel about. It's something that is real and it does happen and that this team has done it now. Is significant mm-hmm. you know i mean there's just this matter-of-fact attitude around this team this isn't some wishy-washy oh we're so thankful things broke this way or that way yeah it's deliberate and it's organized and that's how bronco runs his teams
0: yeah and i i think this all leads up to how is the coast still going to shake out because it's really unclear at this point <laughs> no <laughs> what's one has gonna any happen. idea no one has any idea but the main things to remember are that UVA controls their own destiny. If we win out, we will win the Coastal Division and go to the ACC Championship game, which mm-hmm. would be nuts. That'd be nuts. Clemson, baby. Like, think, think, think about where... Well, no. I don't want to think about Clemson, <laughs> but think about where we were two years ago. Yeah. I would never have expected to be in the championship game in two years. Never. Never. Behind us are Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh. Now, I think Virginia Tech also controls their own destiny. If they win out, they will win the Coastal Division. Yep. And then Pitt, I'm not quite sure what they have to do, but my guess is that if they win out, they will also win the Coastal because they also they play Tech and they play us. Yep. Um, Miami will need some help. Georgia Tech will need some help. Duke and North Carolina would need a lot of help, and I don't know if they can make it. But the main thing is, is that there's still a lot of football to play. There's four weeks left. I think there's four teams really in the coastal fight right now. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, and Miami. If any of those teams beneath us loses, it will only help Virginia because our odds just go up mm-hmm. because we're we're in the driver's seat right now, Yeah, which is amazing.
1: I mean, to think we have the tiebreakers, not that North Carolina's in it, but now we've beaten North Carolina. We have a tiebreaker over Duke. We have the tiebreaker over Miami. If we win Friday, then mm-hmm. we'll get it against Pittsburgh, Yeah, which really just leaves Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. Right. And it, it's, it's pretty incredible we're talking about. I mean, to be the teams that are legitimately in the hunt for the Coastal, because quite frankly, I don't put Miami in there. I think Miami kind of messed up their season when they mm-hmm. pulled Perry, their freshman quarterback, against us. I think yeah. that kind of derailed their whole season. Yeah. But really, it's Virginia, Virginia Tech and pittsburgh Mm -hmm. who would have thought who would have thought virginia picked last in the coastal pittsburgh maybe they were picked second to last i don't know i know they weren't picked high no and virginia tech is they control their own destiny and they're gonna play better against other teams you know triple option is kind of weird they didn't have much experience playing against the triple option it's a very young team but who would have thought virginia virginia tech and pittsburgh one of them is most likely going to represent the Coastal in the ACC championship, and it's there's a very good chance it's Virginia or Pittsburgh and not Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah, because Virginia Tech has to play both Pitt and UVA. So Virginia Tech's remaining schedule is BC at home. BC's ranked 24 in the newest poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at Pitt the next week. They, are, they have Miami at home, and they have UVA at home. Now, all of those games are going to be kind of scrappy because B.C. is going to want to keep challenging Clemson for the Atlantic uh, title because B.C. is second right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pitt is going to be fighting for their coastal lives. Miami is just going to want to save some face and
1: get another turnover chain moment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then UVA, you know, there's a bunch of stories there. We don't have to talk about that, but... (laughs) You know, Tech has a tough ending schedule. I mean, if you had looked at their schedule before, you would have thought, well, their their toughest road is probably Duke and Notre Dame and at UNC. But you look at this last four-game stretch, and you're like, well, the season has shaken out <laughs> differently than most people thought. It's BC, Pitt, Miami, UVA. Uh, two of those teams are ranked. Luckily for them, only one of those games is on the road. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the season shakes out because there's a whole bunch of different ways that the coastal can fall.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And it just is one of these things that just continues to amaze me. You know, I'm looking at the standings right now on my computer and to see Virginia number 23, Virginia tech, not ranked above Virginia tech is just awesome. It's a long time coming. Not that it really means anything right now. You know, if you beat Virginia tech, that'll be good. Mm -hmm. And But I mean, that's the type of goals this team should be thinking about. And they're legitimately there. And, you know, against, if you had me bet on any game in the coastal right now in Virginia versus somebody else, I'd probably put my money on Virginia, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of circumstance, regardless of location.
0: Regardless of my fandom. (laughs) Yeah. Probably be UVA. Yeah. Just based on what they're playing.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're playing sound, fundamental football. It's not tricks, you know, mm-hmm. it's real, it's tangible. And as far as we're concerned, it seems sustainable.
0: It, it feels different being confident about UVA football and not like worrying all the time. Like we, we lined up for that field goal in, in, the, during the <laughs> game. And I was like, okay, this is a good idea. Yeah. This is a good decision. <laughs> I'm okay with this because before it would have been like, Mm, I don't know if this is going to go in or not. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, think back about it, too, because we're conditioned to think this way, to yeah. act like Bronco, to say something Bronco would probably would say, mm-hmm. we think this way because that's normally how it goes. In yeah. 2011, our last winning season, that team was lucky more times than not on some of their wins. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some very good wins. That Miami win was a good win, but they also somehow snuck it out against Florida State at the very end. You know, Mm -hmm. Florida State missed a field goal at the end, and that was that. Virginia wins by one point. You know, there's just things like that that broke our way. So then you go back before then, 2007, that year we won like four or five games by two points or less. Mm -hmm. You know, if Chris Long wasn't getting three sacks each game, (laughs) you know, who's to say what happens with that game or that season? So this season is different in the sense that it doesn't feel like there's been lucky breaks. It doesn't feel like there's been gadgets going on that just make us go one way or the other. I mean, this feels deliberate and confident. And as if when Virginia lines up, they are, you know, not necessarily the most talented team, but definitely the better team Mm -hmm. and their ACC wins.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, you know, for the first time in a while, it's exciting to be a UVA football fan again, which is... Which is a good feeling. It is a good feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, basketball is 10 days away, something like that. We're less than two weeks. We're less than two weeks, and I just want to talk football.
0: Yeah, I I want to talk both. But (laughs) later in the week, we're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk basketball uh, next week as well. So the basketball content is coming, but right now we're focused on the football. We're focused on the football win, and we're just kind of savoring this moment. We're savoring it.
1: Yeah. With that, I'll ask you, Dustin. Mm -hmm. You might be going down to the UVA pick game on Friday. I think I am. Are you picking us?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm picking us. I think that uh, the Friday night game is going to get a lot of people excited. Hopefully, a lot of people can make it down to Charlottesville. Uh, I know I'm going to try my best because I can get out of work a little bit early on Friday. But my goal is to be there for kickoff. And I think everyone else should try their best to get there because it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I'm sure Carla Williams is going to have a uh, couple things for the students to play with during the game. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully it is as fun as the other night games, but the result is better.
1: <laughs> yeah. One thing that I look for in short weeks is I feel like in short weeks, that's when coaching really stands out mm-hmm. because. Being a Friday night game, there's going to be one less ga- one less day to truly prepare. Mm-hmm. And Bronco talks about it all the time, how he and his staff prepare way ahead of time, you know, what they're trying to do each week and how to schedule each week based on having an early game, whether that be a Thursday night game or a Friday night game. Mm-hmm. And just looking, I think the best example is going to Boise State last year. That was a Friday night game. Mm-hmm. And the way Virginia dominated that game. And maybe it's too small a sample size to really read too much into, but I think advantage goes to Bronco and the Virginia coaching staff in a short week. Mm -hmm. I just think they're better prepared. They're not going to have to travel. And they've already seen, you know, kind of what success looks like on a Friday night game and how to prepare for that. So that's one thing just in my head, you know, push come to shove, which I don't think is push come to shove. I think Virginia is better than pittsburgh despite what we're saying yeah but i think edge goes to bronco and the uva coaching staff under this situation yeah
0: i agree i think i think that uh we should be able to take care of business Pitt is a good team they're not they're not really like there's nothing super special about them uh their quarterback is not great he has passed for about uh a little over a thousand yards with a 60 percent completion rate he has eight touchdowns to five interceptions so Mm -hmm. not great but their rushing game is really good. They have, uh, let me see, six players with over 100 rushing yards this season. So they are a rushing team, and we're just going to have to somehow outrush them. Yeah, so.
1: you know, they had three players last week against Duke with over 76 rushing yards. You know, it's it might be as simple as that. Shut down the run, and you shut down Pitt. I hope it's as simple as that.
0: I hope so, too. But
1: it's going to be one of those games where our line is going to be tested. And I think Pitt is going to try as much as they can to run the football. Mm-hmm. And if the Virginia defense can hold its own, which I think is as much about depth as it is about talent, mm-hmm. um, because our our starters are good. Yeah. Our starters are good. You know, we'll, we'll see kind of how that game squares out. But yeah. I think the matchups in this can be very favorable to UVA.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's all we have to talk about. Rob, is there anything that you want to add for next week's game against Pitt?
1: Not really for next week's game. One exciting piece of news that came out today, we got a commitment from running back Mike Collins. Uh, He had an offer from Alabama, believe it or not. It was kind of the final three from all reports where UVA, Alabama, and SMU. And he ended up choosing Virginia, there's a lot of talent in that running back room, but Mike Collins kind of has that talent that can mm-hmm. come out next year. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he's a significant contributor next year and maybe not the starter in two years. Wow. So yeah, we got we got a talented one on our hands. They're coming.
0: Um, the recruits are coming. The wins are coming. It's all coming together. So with that, I think we're going to give some yells. And Rob, what is your yell?
1: Yeah, so I think it was on Friday. It was Friday. Bronco Mendenhall had an interview on Jim Rose, Jim Rome's show on mm. CBS Sports. And, you know, I love any UVA football content I can get just plugged it in at work. <laughs> and one thing that I just love about Bronco is the fact that, like so many other coaches at UVA, it's not just about the on-field success mm. and uh, the sports they coach, you know, you see that with Tony Bennett a lot, mm-hmm. you know, the way, especially after ACC media days last week, where he was so positive and thoughtful and reflective after the UMBC loss, mm-hmm. you know, in my head, not that Tony Bennett would ever be like that, but it'd so it'd be so easy to pull a Bill Belichick or Nick Saban and just be like, let's talk about this year. Yeah. You know, that wasn't Tony Bennett and it's not Bronco Mendenhall either. And just hearing him talk about his team and the way he prepares and executes, but also just the way he's deliberately rebuilt the program kind of in the image he wants to see mm-hmm. and what he defines as winning football was really awesome and it's also just awesome to have your coach interviewed on a national radio show yeah you know i don't think anyone was really inviting mike london on after 2011 <laughs> no so tony bennett obviously is really good at coaching mm-hmm. too so anyway just the fact that he was interviewed on that show and gave a really good interview uh highly recommend if you have not listened to it.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. And mine is going to go to the fan at the UVA game who is wearing a Duke basketball jersey (laughs) and holding up the VT sign with her fingers. Uh, I don't know what she was doing. I don't know what she was thinking. She was in the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) But I thought it was really funny. And uh, another shout-out goes to the ref who at the end of the game said, timeout Virginia Tech and then got booed by the whole stadium. <laughs> yep, yep. And with Bryce Perkins telling him to get out before the fans got to him. <laughs> So,
1: Well, actually, along those lines, I'll throw in a second yell. Okay. Uh, Because we just love yelling. Yeah. Uh, This one just goes out to the team. They brought out Swag Surfing. I remember mm-hmm. the name of the song now. <laughs> um, but they brought that out at the end. They were reviewing a potential Jordan Ellis first down run at the very end of the game. Could have sealed the game. And the refs came out to review it. And it was just kind of like a tense moment and they started playing that song. And then all of a sudden our sideline started dancing and Jamar Peacock on the field started dancing. Even Garrett 2J started dancing, who just was kind of funny. I like that image in my head. <laughs> there's just, there's a lot of positive energy with this team and they're fun. That was the situation uh, that I was talking about that, you know, under a Mike London coach team kind of nerves are going wherever they're going. I think that, I don't think they would have broken out dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just speaks to the the type of players they're recruiting and the culture and the attitude with this team. Football's fun again. Yeah. Football's fun. It's fun. So that's my second yell. I'm sorry. <laughs> just wanted to yell.
0: <laughs> but I think that's all we have for you right now. So thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Subscribe and like us on iTunes or Podbean if you want to keep listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Go who's, Go who's baby.